Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and I'm not the boogeyman. I'm the one you sent to kill the fucking boogeyman. <laughs> Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. Hey, guys, I don't think John Wick is the best house guest. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. To quote Keanu Reeves, yeah. Okay. I think that's uh, the only thing he says in the entire movie. The, yeah. the, <laughs> those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing John Wick Chapter 4. John Wick Chapter 4 uh, is what we're going to be discussing here uh, as our main review. Of course, before that, we got some what we've been watching and a couple of just fun little newsy items to discuss. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube and Instagram and Twitter at thefilmcastpod. Find us on TikTok at thefilmcast, where we are uploading videos every single week. We hope you will join us over there as well. And at patreon.com slash filmpodcast, where you can support the show. Uh, Our current plan (laughs) is for next week, we're going to plan to cover... The summer movie wager movie from last year, <laughs> the Doug Lyman movie Go. That was what Peter Serretta assigned to us yeah. after he won the summer movie wager last week. That is going to be our After Dark episode, our plan for next week. Talk about cultural relevancy, guys. Everyone's talking about Go all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just saw a, a, a little bit of it in the Tetris movie we're going to discuss today. That's true. Yeah. yeah. That's how... That's how we get those Patreon signups. We get the the hot movie. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun chat, guys. And I'm certainly, I've never seen it's a good go. movie. It's a good oh, movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a great. It's a great movie. It's a great never movie. seen it. I'm yeah. excited. All right. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be our plan for uh, next week on the After Dark, and you can sign up for ad free episodes and exclusive After Darks at Patreon.com/slash/FilmPodcast. A huge thank you to everyone who supports us in that way. Jeff Kanata, I want to first start by saying you're back, baby. Devinder and I had to. Do the after dark and the main episode last week. Uh, parts it was of the main very episode lonely without you. Yeah, so I'm, lonely without you. Where where were you, Jeff Kanata? I I uh, we had spring break here with the kids, and so we took the children nice. to their first trip to Disneyland. And, oh uh, man, it was a big event. We had uh, my sister in law and their two kids, my uh, my wife's dad and and stepmom and my mom and my sister's daughter. So it was a huge group, 12 people, uh, and uh, we all went and did, uh, did uh, the uh, Magical Kingdom. It was pretty wonderful. Um, I, you know, I was very worried about it. I was very worried that uh, it was going to be a disaster. Like it's, literally, it sounds like hell, Jeff. That yeah. is my personal nightmare. Bringing my kids to that that place right now. Well, yeah. literally every vacation we've had since the kids were born has been a yeah. uh, excruciating. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, moments of joy. Uh, intermittent with uh, just the worst, the worst Mm. uh, excruciating, you know, dealing with the children and everybody unhappy and just just hard times. So I was very worried about it. But my goodness, it it was it was the first vacation we've had that was that was almost purely positive. Uh, It was it was wonderful that we got there. I'm still a quick anecdote. We got there and we were waiting for everybody else's flights to arrive, you know, so we were congregating. Uh, and um, my father-in-law, you know, has, has some recent health issues. So we had to spring for the, uh, the Grand Californian, which is the, ho- the Disney hotel that's literally in California's adventure, the, the, the park. So it's very close. It's very easy to go back to the hotel if he needed to. Um, 
So we were waiting there at the hotel for everybody else to arrive and before we went into the park for the first time and we decided to go have a little brunch at uh, this restaurant that's in the, in the hotel buffet. We did not realize that that brunch included appearances from the costumed characters. And nice. we're, we're there, we're eating, and in strolls Mickey, Minnie, Chip and Dale, Pluto. And I'm telling you, fellas... <laughs> We, you know, I basically spent the equivalent of a uh, mid-sized sedan yeah. on this trip, you know, uh, and uh, every penny of it was worth it from that first moment of seeing my daughter's eyes light up when she saw Mickey and Minnie walk through the door. Oh, that's nice. They make time for all the tables. They come over. They, you know, my daughter was, she just could not believe it was happening. She couldn't believe mm. it that they were there to see her. She turned to me and she goes, can I hug him? And I said, yeah, you can hug him. And she, I mean, it was magical, truly magical. So, That's you know, great. you spend an arm and a leg at that place, but uh, you get your money's worth in, in a certain sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's wonderful, Jeff. I'm so glad you got to uh, have that experience. Well, welcome back to the show. Great to have you back, man. Um, got a couple of follow-ups from last week's episode. Uh, we talked about Scott Atkins. I watched the movie... Uh, accident man hitman's holiday yes uh for that we discussed in last week's episode during what oh, we've the been watching. second accident man film it answers so many questions that were left unanswered after the first accident man yeah know? like was it really an accident man <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh we got this email from andreas uh writing into slash filmcast at gmail.com Andy from Germany writes, I'm sure you'll get a ton of feedback from your Scott Adkins discussion. I was shocked to hear how little you know of him. Even <laughs> Devendra only knew some of his work. Anyway, glad you found him. Definitely watch Undisputed 2, where he plays Boyka opposite MJ White. If you think the fights in Accident Man were good, you haven't seen nothing yet. He also has a YouTube channel where he hosts a show called Art of Action. Highly recommended. Keep up the great work. So, uh, end quote. That is an email from Andy from Germany who recommends Undisputed. I also got a message from Danish Syed, friend of the show, who wrote in after our Scott Atkins discussion saying, you got to watch Undisputed 3. I just saw John McFour and there was a mini Undisputed 3 reunion with Scott Atkins and Mark Zorr, uh, who is the main villain in Undisputed 3. I think for my money, Undisputed 3 has got the best fight scenes ever filmed, not involving Jackie Chan. And you don't wow. need to watch the previous one. So, okay. It's pretty pretty high expectations that I have so, for uh, Scott Atkins stuff. So that's but, yeah. a one recommendation for Undisputed 2 and yes. one recommendation for Undisputed 3. That is correct. First that Undisputed is... garbage movie. Apparently. Apparently. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I am going to check one of these. I just got these messages like in the last few days. So I'm going to check mm -hmm. these out this week. But Especially after John Wick 4. I think a lot of people are going to be searching out scott atkins and yes. other people in that film yeah totally totally so uh really looking forward to uh diving further into the world of scott atkins have a great large amount of respect for him jeff i don't know how familiar you are with the work of scott atkins i've uh, just too. tried the diet that's mm. the only <laughs> okay i, I wish done. it was the same Thank thing you. i wish the diet would turn you into scott atkins yeah that i, would, I, I that kept awesome. expecting to kick ass after yeah. i uh didn't eat any carbs doesn't happen that way Every now and then on this podcast, somebody in the audience, one of the listeners creates something or something happens where you kind of take stock and you go, hey, guys, we're lucky. We're, we're really lucky we have such an engaged, talented listener base. Uh, 
we are we are blessed to be able to do this for a significant part of our livings. And you know, I, I'll give an example uh, of one of those times when uh, Dennis uh, created the summer movie wager website. You know, and how detailed and informative and wonderful it was to play along with that site. Like that was a great website. And we Still continue, we continue, to, we continue to use it. I was, just, yeah. I was about to say, we continue to use it. It's, it's a great website, but like, uh, I was like, just so impressed with the the amount of thought and detail that went into it. Well, this week, uh, a couple listeners launched something that I think is really up there, and you can find it at welldave.fun. That's the words welldave.fun. And this is from listeners Kevin and Dan Cameron in the Slack Filmcast at slackfilmcast.com. And uh, what it is, is it, it is a game you can play online that has the last 100 Jeff Kanata limericks programmed in. If you go to the website, it says, quote, well, Dave, is a movie trivia game maybe a limerick word game? Hmm, okay, so it's a movie trivia limerick word game made by fans of the film cast. How to play? You try to guess the movie title based on an incomplete limerick. Uh, you can always reveal the last word of the limerick, and you'll have plenty of hints to help you get the movie title. Uh, and after 10 movies, your score is calculated based on how well you answered and the help provided. Uh, oh, so they have 93 movies. And basically, they give you the limerick, um, but they leave out the last word. So you have to guess the title of the movie and the last word. It's kind of like how they do it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. Guess, yeah, uh, the news limerick or whatever. Except, you know, there's no... Uh, you have to guess the movie here as well. So, guys, here's the first one that came up when I went to the site this morning, okay? This is a real tough one, okay? You guys, it's going to be a little tough to get this one, okay? <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. Here's the limerick, okay? Like a real infinity pool, <laughs> dip into this movie and you'll think by the end you will comprehend where it goes. But no, it's just blank. Jeff, as the author of that limerick, do you know how that limerick ends? Uh... <laughs> uh... Gruel? No. no, it's cruel. The word is cruel. Yes. It's cruel. The movie yes. was cruel. It's a cruel movie about cruel and the people. Movie, and the movie, as we all know, was Accident Man Hitman's Holiday. Exactly. Um, no, it was I, Infinity Pool. I am um, pretty amazed by this. Uh, pretty flattered. Although, <laughs> I can't help but notice, there's no mention of who wrote the lyrics on the website. Mm, the <laughs> lyrics. Literally no mention. And uh, yeah, that's not just me, my ego talking, uh, although a little bit of my ego talking. I mean, you're, uh, to be fair, your face is there next to the yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but also, um, I do feel like uh, uh, this is inc incredible, and I'm so grateful that this, I think it's a neat thing. I was showing it to my wife last night. Um, she remains unimpressed with me and on, on nearly every <laughs> level, but uh, you know something cool happened because I exist. But um, the uh, the re one of the reasons I would say you might want to have you know the fact that it was written by a person uh, is that many the the goal of the limericks in the context of our show is to express my opinion about the movie, mm. uh, and oftentimes if if you just you know came to this, I guess nobody would come to the site without knowing the show, but. In the, in the weird situation where somebody would just want to play this game, 
uh, it might not make any sense that they're so opinionated, these limericks, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I see, I see. Well, that, that that is our feedback then for Kevin and Dan is uh, please explain the limericks are written by Jeff Kanata. You know? Well, I, you know, the, the, they, are, they, are, they are reviews. Uh, the limericks yeah, are meant to yeah. be reviews, not just like not a limerick. Like, yeah, they're not just like impartial description of the yeah. movie. It's, yeah, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but I guess, I guess the point would be that nobody would really find this on their own and nobody would go here <laughs> unless they knew the show. And, right. I don't mean to take away any of the incredible effort and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly overwhelmed and amazed that, that these guys would take the time to do this. And it's, it's, it's cool. Like it gives you a score. There's, there's also it, you know, customized hints for every yeah. limerick. And I think, I think there's a way I haven't quite figured it out, but I think you can click and it will take you to the audio of you saying the limerick in the, in the episode. Doesn't it literally have your response Yes, it each, has my response to each limerick, which they have also documented. Some of as well. some of which uh, actually give away the answers. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, but really cool. Thanks, fellas, for 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 doing that. It, it um, you know, it makes all the work I put in on the lyric limericks uh, seem seem worthwhile. It is. Uh, it, I I went. You know, I guess I got to keep doing these now because there's <laughs> actually a little uh, reason to do it. <laughs> Yeah, than, to, to be documented than, over at welldave.fun. Yeah, rather than uh, sta just merely staving off Dave's ire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we all know that in and of itself is <laughs> certainly well worth it. So, yeah. But anyway, it's it's really cool um, that uh, people did this, and and we really appreciate it. And and Jeff, you know, I think one day I I am going to try to convince you to uh, you know monetize this, the, the the limericks you've written somehow if, if you could only get around to sorting them out from that one large notes app talk. well it sounds like somebody's done that work for me uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah. i uh, i have long thought i think i've mentioned this numerous times on the show i've long thought that a coffee table book would be cool um and i actually have a friend who owns <laughs> who not doesn't own but runs a uh, a web-based publishing company so maybe we, we maybe should make that happen yeah, hell yeah! I don't know if people would. Maybe if we'll the audience put it in uh, our future merch library. You yeah, know, like gotta, the future you gotta shop. have like you gotta have like uh, uh, volumes though, you know, because because theoretically you'll keep writing new ones every week, right? So yeah, theoretically, volume one. <laughs> theoretically, I mean, I, <laughs> right? I, mean I, I don't know how many you have to have to have a book. Like a hundred is a hundred enough? How many do we have? I don't know. How big is the book? I, I mean, I have you know? read some pretty flimsy books based off of internet personalities. Before, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and also, I think you've done more than 100. I think 100 is only the ones I went back to. So, right. uh, but yeah. Um, anyway, uh, thank, again, thanks to everyone who built welldave.fun. You can experience the limerick glory yourself over at welldave.fun. I'm, I'm shocked, frankly, that welldave.fun was available. Indeed. Who, who's to say right. whether it's it's amazing that no one has claimed it at this point, Indeed. you know? So. Also, pro tip, folks, uh, get yourself some fun URLs. There there are a ton of them out there. They're yeah. really cheap. Dot dot fun. Own, URLs, own yeah. your presence. Yeah. Dot fun dot OMG. There are so many different things now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that's a couple items we wanted to discuss early on in the podcast. Let's take a break for a sponsor. We'll be right back with what we've been watching here on the Filmcast. This episode of the Filmcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. I can tell you that as I get older, I discover things about myself that maybe I don't like so much. <laughs> Certainly becoming a father has made me realize a lot of things about myself. 
therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and your understanding of your own life experience. Because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. And sometimes the people you know in your life aren't the best people to talk through things with. Sometimes you need an expert, an impartial ear. Better help connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are now. I think this is one of the most valuable things that you can do for yourself. I certainly have benefited, and my wife and I together have benefited a great deal from therapy. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills, and believe me, as parents, there's a lot of coping. <laughs> coping with your children and the feelings that you have, the frustrations, the worries, the <sighs> helplessness that you feel sometimes. It, it helps with setting boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And it isn't just for those who've experienced major traumas. It, it's for all of us, truly. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. So it's designed right from the start to be convenient, to be flexible, and to be suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash filmcast today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash filmcast, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Let's get to what we've been watching. Devendra Hardwar and I watched a bunch of the same stuff this week. Uh, so we'll take turns a little bit talking yeah, about... we didn't uh, even talk to each other about yeah, it. No, it we was just, just a mind meld. Simpatico. Yeah. You know, that's what happens when Jeff leaves. It's like Devendra and I have a mind meld, and then we <laughs> leave and we watch the same exact things. Mm -hmm. um, but the first thing we watched is the new Apple TV Plus movie, Tetris, uh, directed by John Barrett. It's going to be on Apple TV Plus this Friday. It's screened at South by Southwest. Uh, I love Tetris. I still play it very regularly. This is, you know, obviously one of the best games of all time. One of my favorite games of all time. Um, I love multiplayer Tetris on Tetris Connected. Like, mm -hmm, it's, uh, mm -hmm. I used to love playing Tetris 100 on Nintendo Switch. It's like a game that I have a lot of passion for. And, you know, I enjoy Taron Edgerton. This is Matthew Vaughn's producing company. So I was kind of like curious about how they would tell the story of Tetris. Devendra Hardwar. What did you think of the Tetris movie on Apple TV Plus that's going to be there this Friday? I, I think it's fine. And I can see why a lot of people are having trouble with it because it's not... But let's just say, folks, uh, the, the pieces don't all fit, right? Wow. The, the oh, I see what you did there. Don't, wow. don't always clear. Um, it's almost wow. at times like the board gets filled and it's a fail. I don't know. Every review had to have something, so you had to say the line. I, I think this movie is a lot of fun but it's also like very um i I, th I think it just goes way too hard at certain points like um even from the beginning i think the opening is the weakest part of this movie because it's really much a it is um you know taron edgerton's character hank rogers the guy who like brought tetris to the wider world 
And it's him talking to a banker played by Rick Yoon, by the way, really nice to see him. Um, but Rick, you know, just like laying out like, oh, why this, this game is so amazing. And uh, the blocks are falling. It's just so hyperactive. There's tons of like 2D uh, pixel art aesthetic all over the place. It just feels like this movie can't quite like gel with an, with an aesthetic. And it feels like a bit much, you know, it feels like you're just trying too hard. Um, but I do think like overall, it is really Tarrant. Like I, I think Tarrant Edgerton is tremendous in just about everything. And he's fully gung-ho for what this movie is, where he is he's the businessman who thinks this thing, uh, you know, will take over the world. And this movie kind of turns into a sort of spy movie type of thing because he has to go into the USSR to finagle Tetris rights. He has to, like, bring it to Nintendo. Um, Jeff, I would really love to know what you think about this movie. Um, I wish I, I could have watched it already. It's not yeah, out for me yet. It's it's not out yet. Um, but you know what? Like, I, I think like there's enough here to make it entertaining. I just feel like maybe the Tetris purists, and certainly they they invent a lot. There's a car chase here that certainly did not happen in real life. Um, it, it feels like the story of Tetris kind of massaged and heightened into a spy drama. To be like a fun movie, I just feel like it could have been um, either aesthetically a little sharper. And maybe a little funnier too. Like I just don't think like a lot of the things land. Um, I, I had fun with it, but it's not like a perfect film, not at all. I think this movie is just okay, and I wouldn't recommend it to be honest with you. I think because it feels like we, in the wake of the Social Network, the mm-hmm. David Fincher, Aaron Sorkin movie, it feels like there's a lot of people who've been like, ooh, like. The, what if the creation of this seemingly boring thing was actually really interesting, you know? Uh, and it feels like we've gotten so many movies like that, uh, TV shows, movies like that, like the WeWork thing, We Crashed, and all these other things. Um, now, when it's a case like The Dropout, like on Hulu, where you're actually trying to like look into the psyche of someone, I could see that being valuable. But otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, this is just like reading a Wikipedia page for the creation of Tetris or, you know, watching a documentary of many of which are available online for the, for the making of Tetris. Uh, you're talking about the aesthetic Devendra. It is, you know, the, the way I would describe this is, I don't know if you guys remember watching like Adam ruins everything. You guys, yeah, you guys know Adam yeah. Ru- like on college humor, mm-hmm. like I'm a big fan of those. I think they're very amusing. It's like that, level yeah. where, like everything it is, like, is it is youtube level graphics right for, everything for is like yeah. hyper exaggerated mm-hmm. like you know uh the, the the honestly it feels and looks a little bit like the kick-ass movies except instead of an action movie it's a corporate espionage drama and uh so yeah it, it's, it's like it feels like everything's super exaggerated everything's hyper real and the problem with that is at no point do i think anything resembling anything that happens in this movie actually happened in the way yeah, that it did yeah. in this movie. It's, it's, a little, it's a little too much. Like the evil Russian secret agents are so evil and so, so evil, Russian. And then it it's cuts like a cartoon. To, like, it cuts to them like in their like lair, like <laughs> listening to, you know, tapped phones and all this stuff. It's just like, it looks like a Bond supervillain there. Yeah, yeah. You know, so so I actually think I have the opposite issue with you, Devendra, is like the aesthetics are too strong. It is, it is. No, that's what I'm saying. I think it it is maybe, I think it goes a little too hard in some of those things. And it didn't quite like gel into what it wanted to be because like, it like, can be fun without going overboard. Yeah. Like in David Fincher's The Social Network, it's like, okay, um, 
I don't think pe- the people really talk like this because they're speaking with Aaron Sorkin dialogue, but mm-hmm. they're in boring conference rooms. You know, they're in like they're taking depositions and sitting there for seemingly hours with like eight people around a table and tons of papers. Like that feels very true to life as to how this all actually went down. At no point during the Tetris movie did I feel, oh, it's, that must have been how that went it, down in, in real In life. this movie's defense, it is not going for the social network's tone at all. Like, the social network is edgy, gritty, realism, neo-noir, telling us the story of Facebook. This is, like, trying to be a romp of, like, hey, did you know the story of Tetris is so crazy? Yeah, it's like, that's it's true. Like that's true. Movie. That, that's yeah. Davindra, you literally summed up the aesthetic and tone of this movie, which is, yeah. did you know the making of Tetris is so crazy? It, that's literally somebody had that thought and then made a movie based on that thought. And that is the movie that you get. Um, I, I just think it's like, I, I think the story is interesting and I wish that the movie mm-hmm. was less cartoonish uh, as a way of kind of, demonstrating the movie norton i mean i don't think you really find out that much about any of the characters there, there is some fun stuff here like there is sort of like the the introduction of nintendo into this world and uh maybe spoilers for real life right tetris was pretty important to the damn game boy you know <laughs> yeah. and th- there is like a reveal scene like that 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 is kind of the moment that hit me like there's a moment where howard lincoln appears right and um they pull off uh, this white towel and it's a Game Boy attached to like a, a computer, like a, a test, a test version of the Game Boy. And the way everybody just approaches it, like it's a holy object and people are like really on board and really care about this thing and what it means. Like that is what sold it for me. Aesthetically, this movie is all over the place. It's just, it's it, just it lands so over things. the top. Even that scene you're talking about, it's just so over the top and ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Like I, it, I, I don't know. I guess that is I, how I imagined it being. <laughs> exactly. Dave. It's like yeah. it, it's it's literally like how it's kind of like the um musical biopic version sure. of you know the the making of Tetris where like yeah. in, in, you know in the musical biopic they're like sitting around and it's like yes, wait exactly. a second. Taron Edgerton was Elton John. He was Elton John, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, um so I I wasn't a fan of this movie, <laughs> yeah. but it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. It's like, not the worst thing. I if, will say uh it once again convinces me that Taron Edgerton is a treasure. Like give this guy yeah, everything. He's, he's great. He like, commits to everything. Exactly, he should be yeah. our next Wolverine. Like we're we're all casting like a he's already a buddy with Hugh Jackman. Just somebody who's so gung-ho to do the silliest things, um, I think is uh, you know, that, that's a notable skill. I have no beef with Taron Edgerton. He's yeah. very talented. We love him. I, we generally I think, like I think him. if you're going to spend time watching a movie about the creation of Tetris, it shouldn't just be, wow, look at how wacky it is. It should be, ideally, as in the case of Social Network. I know they're two different movies, but like, it should be like trying to I illustrate know, I know the something, you like, something deeper about humanity. Something deep, you know, like use it as an opportunity to illustrate uh, something about these, these yeah. characters in a way you that- You just like, wish this movie was a completely different movie. Uh, I, I wish it shot. I, I wish it yeah, tried yeah, yeah. for. I wish it had bigger ambitions. How about that? You know, I wish it had bigger ambitions than just, "Hey, cool, look, wow, this is so wacky." And not to mention, like, I didn't believe a freaking minute of it. So it's like yeah. it doesn't and even. A lot, a lot of it is true. It, like the the sort of like business machinations behind it. The whole sure, thing about but like Tetris certainly rides, not yeah. in the way. Like not even close to the way it's depicted in the movie. You know, yeah. like yeah, yes, like the fundamental business moves are the mm-hmm. same. But like the manner in which they are depicted in, you know, he, another example would be like Chernobyl, which I know is a very different example. But yes, like, yeah. uh, that movie also takes place in Russia and it's like, um, or in the Soviet Union. And it's like, uh, I don't believe that any of those interactions in Chernobyl like actually took place as they happened right. in, the, in the show, but they feel like they, they are conveying some fundamental truth about how 
that all went down. Again, um, a, a gritty, serious-minded, uh, you know, historical recreation. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jeff, okay. I would love to know what you think of this. Yeah, Jeff, check yeah. it out. Yeah, no, I, I definitely have been excited to see it. Now, I'm, I'm slightly less so based on both of your reactions to it, but uh, I'm excited. It sounds like, Dave, you were really hoping it was more of a Luminez movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, oh, man, that would I, be I, such I, a good movie. I, I, think, <laughs> I think I am, like, I'm, I'm just frustrated at this general trend of, oh, uh, corporation with some interesting business moves. Like, let's make a movie out of it. Like, without, without pausing to think, like, what a movie as a format can add to that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I think it absolutely did. It's just not the movie genre you wanted. I think that's what it is. It is a kooky spy drama. Yeah, that's I get, what it's turned you know, into. I think I think you're right about that, Dimitri. I think it's yeah. like, did I want to see the the making or the sell? It's not even about the making of Tetris. It's about yeah. basically the business rights. Yeah, of how do you get Tetris to the world? Right. Basically. So that's that's what the movie's about. And it's like, did I want to see that made into a wacky spy caper? No, I didn't. You're right. So I I will I will cop to that. I will cop to that. Um, because I think that that is a squandering of uh the the potential of that particular story but you're, but you're i have you're, i have read the wikipedia entry and it does read like man this is like the americans or some shit this is just like it is wild like there is a billionaire involved who was like uh you know faking the rights like there's all this stuff yeah. going on here that's yeah. pretty wild well that's that's the thing that frustrated me too is like there's legitimately interesting business mm -hmm. details in there that i feel were like Ill, i'm so distracted by the tone and aesthetic and wackiness of the movie that I can't even focus yeah. on like what must have been an actually interesting story. So this is why I'm frustrated by it. So that's why I'm, if I seem a little bit harsh on it, that's why. But anyway, that's Tetris. It'll be out on Apple TV Plus this week. Devendra and I both had a chance to check out The Night Agent on Netflix. Devendra, how many episodes did you watch? I've uh, two or three. I yeah, think. two or three. That, that's, that's basically my, two or three. Yeah. That's basically how I. Um, who, know, who knows with these shows anymore? They just kind of go. They play I think forever. This is, so the reason I wanted to check this out is, is because Sean Ryan wrote many of the episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, he obviously created The Shield and a bunch of other things that we're fans of. Uh, this is. T just, 24 people are involved, by the way, too. So yeah. like Seth Gordon directed some in the pilot. Yeah, this is just fine. This is a t completely competent spy thriller, in my opinion. So I have I have no beef with this show, but it seems like you are not uh -huh. a, a big of a fan. Of yeah, let, let's turn the tables. Yeah, a bit turn the tables. I, I think I agree. I agree. This is a perfectly fine spy thing. I have seen a lot of really positive reviews for this thing. So uh, like saying like, man, is it a twisty thriller? Man, mm -hmm. is it very compelling? And I'm like. Guys, we are <laughs> 20 years on from the heyday of 24, a show mm -hmm. that has not aged very well. But when it was working, when it was clicking, like when all those like thriller plots were going well and the conspiracy was hot and the Mac, the action was like better than anything you've ever seen on TV, like 24 was cooking. And the best this show can do, I think, is like a mild simmer. It's like, it's fine. <laughs> Perfectly fine. Like it, it yeah. opens with a subway bombing scene that I feel like I have seen so many of these goddamn shows and there's always a subway bombing. There's always a oh, mysterious uh, brown man who could be, who could be the bomber. And uh, this show does not waste any time before getting to the territory of like every post 9-11, uh, we're afraid of Arabs type show. And so I, I will hold that against it. I also think the lead uh, played by Gabriel Basso or Basso, the character's name is Peter Sutherland. We see what you're doing. <laughs> you're trying so hard. Okay. And it's like, you can't, you can't be 24, man. Just be your own thing. Even the music <laughs> sounds Sutherland. like Sean, Sean mm -hmm. Callery's music. 
Mm-hmm. Like that, that's it's it, it's the same. It's trying to recreate the vibes that comforting layer of conspiracy thriller the twenty four was for us. I, I like it's fine. It's perfectly fine, perfectly watchable. I just feel like we could do better. Hey, Hong Chao was in it. That's cool. Did not expect ha, to Hong, see Hong Chao. Okay, p- positive points for Hong Chao. Positive. Always. Negative points for giving Hong Chao one of the worst wigs I've ever seen on a TV show. She's playing older. Like Hong Chao is a forty-something <laughs> actor now, and she's playing like somebody who's like fifty-something. It's very yeah. strange. Why would you? Do but that? the wig is terrible. It, the wig is, is bad. She, Hong Chao deserves a better wig than this. But the Night Agent is like one of those shows where hey, you guys tell me you get to the end of the day, you're like I want to turn on something and uh watch something that has some okay action and where uh the plot points are reiterated via dialogue every 30 minutes you know this is gonna serve that need for you so i I guess there's also another one there's rabbit hole with the actual um oh yeah with the actual key for sutherland have you seen that yet i've not seen it but the reviews were far less positive yeah far less positive than the night agent reviews you know so So it's like like, not even worth the play Mm. yeah all right well that's the night agent it's on netflix Devendra, you also had a chance to check out the Succession season premiere, right? I did, yeah. On and, HBO? Uh, yeah, and uh, I guess we did not know last season, you know, when Succession ended, and that was a tremendous finale, that this would be the final season of the show. Correct. I feel like they, they kind of revealed that pretty early. So now everything has like a heightened yes. sense of like, oh man, this is the first new episode of the final season. How is it going to go down? I just have to say, like, man, Succession has still got it. Like, it's this weird magic of, like, making you so compelled watching people do uh, teleconference calls (laughs) across various meeting rooms. And, like, somebody is in their house. And it's about about the, the money you would pay to buy a media company. Just, like, the weirdest. I don't know why we all find this so compelling, but it is so good because you care about these characters. Season four uh, pits like brings the younger Roy kids together um, to, to try to do their own thing. I, I think it's just really good. It, succession is good. It's good as always. And I'm, I'm glad it's not sticking around long enough to, for us to start um, tiring of it. I think you have to go out on a high note. It feels like uh, they're definitely aiming for that. I guess, but I'm, I'm legitimately sad. I'm sad. I'm go. definitely I, sad. That's also you, I could do you treasure it more. Two more seasons, I think. Yeah, uh, Jesse Armstrong gave an interview where he kind of talked about his reasoning for ending the show, and um, it's it's very uh, it's fairly rare for them to announce that they're ending the show mm-hmm. before the show's even premiered. You know, usually they get to the end and it's like, oh, Succession wasn't renewed. You know, like that's how it usually yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah. But in this case, uh, he wanted everyone to know so that when they talk about it in interviews and stuff like that, they can be upfront with people. Um, but well, uh, also, I'll, 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 it's not. This isn't a case of it not being renewed. The, you know, this is correct. Jesse Armstrong going to them and saying, "Like, I don't like. I think we should wrap up here." And he said, "He said, like, we could do this and go out like really strong." And so mm-hmm, I'm really mm-hmm. excited about kind of what they might have in store for us this season. Uh, but I'll be honest, Succession is one of my favorite shows of all time. Yeah, Agreed. I have watched Same. the entire. Uh, I've watched seasons one and two probably uh, five or six times all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally, including this last week, like I, I went, made it through, you know, probably one season this last week. So I'm, I'm a huge fan. At the same time, uh, it has in the last, particularly season three and arguably season four, it has started to feel like they are repeating many of the same dynamics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I am grateful that they are, I think, going to change up the status quo in a big way this season. Um, and that they can go out like, you know, leaving it all in the field. So I, I actually think... I if he see if he feels like season four is a good ending for it, I actually disagree with Jeff because I'm like this already felt like it was starting to get a little bit repetitive to me. 
Um, but yeah. Uh, so I, I also saw the season premiere. I loved it. I think it's great. And I'm also really grateful we got to have the show. Also grateful it's coming to an end on the creator's terms. Jeff, you had a chance to check it out yet? No, I, I've been on vacation and got back pretty late. So I, my wife and I are eagerly anticipating our viewing of that, uh, of that season premiere. I, you know, we, we, we contemplated staying up last night, but we were so tired. Uh, we did not. No worries. Well, Succession is airing right now on HBO, and that is what Devendra has been watching this week. And I, I watched all those things, too. I watched a couple of other things that I want to mention. Um, first, I watched Love is Blind Season 4. Uh, they are releasing it over the course of the next month or so. Uh, and you'll recall Love is Blind is a reality dating show where people date each other in these pods where they can't see each other. Uh, and then they they like figure out whether they're going to propose to each other or whatever. And if they propose to each other, they are then revealed. You then see the other person, and then they try to integrate it into each other's lives before their wedding day. At which point, they must say yes or no at the altar. That's kind of how the structure of the show works. Seasons two and three of Love Is Blind on Netflix were kind of a huge train wreck because you had. Really, I'm just going to say like emotionally damaged individuals or people who had like legitimate emotional or psychological issues being put through the ringer of this reality show. And honestly, many people I know, like a lot of people I know are watching the show, uh, but a lot of people I know, including myself, also felt bad watching seasons two and three because it really felt like the show was making these people's lives worse. You know what I'm saying? Like where it's like, oh, this is a frail person. And then like being in the show subject to the scrutiny of millions of people going to make, going to actually make their life worse. And that's, that feels like the show is actually kind of bad for society. So why did I watch season four? <laughs> well, because it's taking place in Seattle guys. <laughs> and, and are, are you sure? It, I'm a hundred percent. I am a hundred percent sure it's taking place in Seattle. And, and, uh, my wife and I wanted to know if we, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's so funny. You can just walk outside, Dave. It's easy. Outside. Not since the real world Seattle. Yeah. Seattle. My, my just teacher. walk outside. You'll see Seattle. You don't my have to put I, yourself through this. Well, my wife and I wanted to know if we knew anyone from the show. Uh, and in fact, uh, it, I, at least two people. Wildly presumptuous. Well, <laughs> Seattle's okay. like Seattle's guy. Seattle's like pretty small. It's you like know everybody small. in Seattle. Apparently, I don't know everyone in Seattle, but I know a lot of people in Seattle. And like, it's a pretty small city, and so it's it's extremely possible that we know people. And in fact, in the time since the episodes have debuted, um, it, it has become clear that uh, both my <laughs> wife and I both know people who are friends with people on the show. So like. It, it is a thing where it's not, it wasn't an unreasonable um, uh -huh. assumption to make. And Love is Blind Season 4, I got to say, this is much uh, more guilt-free watching than Seasons 2 and 3. Because it is still, in my opinion, good reality television. The difference is everyone knows what the game is this season. And so people are kind of playing it like a game. And also there are legitimate legitimately bad people who bad things happen to them. You know, like that's the thing is, is it's, it's satisfying to watch when people make dumb decisions, when people play stupid games and they get stupid prizes. And, uh, and some, some of these people are like bad people and they get punished for it. And, um, 
and that's satisfying to watch. You know, so uh, I feel much better about watching Love Is Blind season four than any of the previous seasons. And also, it takes place in Seattle, and so I can see kind of what the producers thought were interesting restaurants. You know, so it's a win-win. <laughs> it's a win-win. But I anyway, I really hope someone is throwing a fish to someone else at some point. In the- I, it, they better, they better. So. That's Love is Blind Season 4. It's on Netflix. My wife and I are going to be covering it over on Decoding Reality at decodingreality.tv. We, we recorded a two an hour and 40 minute long conversation about the first about five episodes of Love is which of your Blind. friends are in the first yes, episode. Yes, that's right. That's right. And finally, a few weeks ago, Jeff, I discussed uh, Picard, the Season 3, yes. of which is airing right now on Paramount+. Plus. You were positive about it uh, I was positive. Start. I was positive, and I said, like, let's do a mid, mid-season check-in to see where we are. And I have now watched five episodes of Picard. And I can say, Jeff, um, I don't think you need to watch Picard. Um, But it has all your favorite people in it. Now, the thing is, uh, I have said, I posted on Instagram, like, I don't think Picard's very good. And I've gotten a bunch of pushback across a variety of channels from people who are loving the new season. So there's a lot of people who are loving the new season, especially the next generation folks. Here's the thing about Picard, Jeff. If you are watching Picard, hoping to capture some of the next generation magic, like what what was great about the next generation? It was A, amazing actors and characters, but B, storylines that made you think deeply about humanity and yes, science exactly. and philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's why I love the next generation, okay? Yes, me too. Picard season three has almost none of the second thing I just said, right? It is instead, hey, let's do one last road adventure movie with the cast. That's what it is, right? So if that interests you, then I think you will actually get your needs kind of met. I mean- So it's more I, the the next generation films. It's exactly. It's like, this is kind of like, imagine if this was the last movie instead of Star Trek Nemesis. Right? Yeah. Like, and I would say it is marginally better than Star Trek Nemesis. Like I, you know- the whole crew is back and there are some cool references to previous plot lines, but a lot of it feels pretty contrived. And Devinder, you brought up like uh, your uh, colleague over at Engadget wrote mm-hmm. a scathing review of destroyed Picard. Picard. I, yeah. I read it and I was like, yeah, this is, this all sounds right to me. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's basically like it, it's an adventure movie, but, or an adventure story, but there's just ridiculous contrivances left and right where like to in order to basically in order to get these people all back together, like they've they've all been scattered across the galaxies and quadrants. So like the the way to get them all back together is kind of so ridiculous, like the the things they need to pull that it kind of makes me disconnect from the reality of the the emotional reality of what's going on here. Mm. So I I did not love it. I don't even know if I'm gonna finish it. But I know a lot of people out there are really enjoying it. You do get to see all the next generation folks, and that is uh, potentially valuable to some people. It's also probably better than Star Trek Nemesis. So if you basically want a more decent send-off for the Star Trek characters, next generation, this is going to be your way for that. I like how you said probably better. Because you're still not sure. I, you know, like I, the thing is, Star Trek Nemesis is not very good. Yeah, right? yeah, I've heard. So that's that's the thing is, um, but. Is this much better? Like I, you know, I'm not loving it personally, but it is. I, I've heard it's better than the first couple seasons, so it's got that going for it, you know. So <laughs> I am incredibly di- disappointed to hear that. I, yeah. I was ho- genuinely hoping you were going to come back to me and be like, "It, they did it, Jeff. They did it. Go, go watch it. You're going to love it." I <sighs> mean, there is a magic to watching these characters back together again. You know, like seeing 
Picard interact with William Riker again? Like, if that's something you've wanted to see, this show will give it to you. Also, in, my my very good friend Todd Stashwick is on the show in a oh, very nice. prominent role. Uh, in in the most ridiculous circumstances possible, but uh, oh yeah, but yeah, uh, it, it will give you that. Also, Todd Stashwick is awesome in the show, in my opinion. Oh, he's I, I always love, awesome. He's I love fantastic. his performance in the show. So. Anyway, okay, that's Picard season three on uh, Paramount Plus. Hey, uh, I know there are probably a lot of you that disagree with me, and so if you have thoughts about Picard season three that you disagree, send them into slashfilmcast@gmail.com. Afford them to Jeff so he can get the full picture. Um, but yeah, I, I am in the minority opinion. I'm not loving this show, and might not finish it. So we'll see. Uh, Picard season three on Paramount Plus. That's what I've been watching. Let's take a break for a sponsor. We'll be right back with more while we've been watching. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Jeff Kanata, what have you been watching? Well, Dave, I, I finally did it. I got the AMC Plus subscription Woo! to watch the Bob Odenkirk starring vehicle that everybody's been talking about. Of course, I'm referring to Lucky Hank. Boo. <laughs> Boo. I mean, I do want to point out, Jeff, that Better Call Saul had one of the best endings for any series ever mm -hmm. in the history of mankind. It's yeah, incredible. It's, it's, I am it going is, to watch it. That I'm... is worth the journey. You know how you sometimes you wait for Picard. You're waiting. And Better Call Saul is worth the journey in my opinion. I so. am going to watch that show. I am going okay. to watch that show. It is a. It is a... It feels like a bit a bigger mountain to climb, and so it, it it's easy to put off because like oh, yeah. I had five seasons or six seasons or whatever it was. I get it. Uh, I get it. Yeah. But I vow I will I will watch that show. Uh, in the interim, though, uh, checked out Lucky Hank, which is Bob Odenkirk's new show with which actually uh, is is made by some some of the folks that worked on uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, uh, produced by um, by uh, Peter Farrelly, which I know Dave famously interviewed. Peter <laughs> Yep. So yep. you have history with Lucky mm -hmm, Hank. So many, yeah. But, 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 but that was before he became a Best Picture winner, you know? So. Yes, well, of course. Yeah, he wouldn't give you the time of day after that. Correct. Um, but, uh, <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> this is a show that uh, my wife and I have been watching together. We watched the first two episodes, which is all that has aired as of this recording. Um, and it, we we kind of turned to each other and we were like, you know what, This is this is like kind of like a cross between the office and like an hour long drama like oh i don't know damages and lo and behold it's created by paul lieberstein and aaron zellman paul lieberstein a uh, big part of the office he played toby on the office aaron zellman uh, created damages so uh, hey. you know very much like the dna is showing <laughs> Uh, the, but, the two strands of DNA, I never think of mixing. Right. Ever? Yeah. What? It, well, and I think that's what makes this show so interesting. I'm enjoying Lucky Hank so far. The The idea of the show is uh, uh, Bob Odekirk plays a, uh, a a college professor, the, the head of the English department at a sort of mid-size um, uh, college, you know, like a, not a not a prestigious college. Uh, but he, uh, you know, he was an author who wrote one novel and it was widely uh, um, lauded. 
And uh, he's basically lived the rest of his life uh, trying to work up the gumption to write a second novel while working at this college and kind of secretly hating his life. Um, and it's sort of his, the, the office part of it is like he interacting, he and all of the other professors at this college interacting in very humorous and fun ways, like the, the sort of cast of characters, the, the, the rogues gallery of college professors in this world is very fun and interesting. And I like all of them and they all have very, very different, you know, um, facets of, of academia that they represent. Um, while also, you know, he is this cantankerous, uh, you know, uh, kind of a midlife crisis living guy and his wife and, and his family is part of it as well. Uh, the first episode, very much features him like saying something that would get somebody canceled perhaps and him kind of doubling down and, but it's, it's very innocuous. It's not like a, you know, it's not like a sexual deviance or anything like that. It's, he, he like criticizes the, the college for being mediocre. And so all the students are super offended and he's like, no, the college is mediocre. Um, it, I think the show's funny and fun. The second episode, really lovely, poignant uh, B story about this uh, this woman professor and her sort of realizing that she's been um, putting up with awful men her whole life and like deciding to change. It it's I think it's a pretty uh, fun, funny show, and it lives in this space between those two, you know. DNA source material kinds of shows where it's it it is it is a drama it is a comedy it's a it's a dramedy but it 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 kind of deftly moves between those and is 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 always sort of both and I think that that's a hard thing to pull off and I think Lucky Hank does a pretty darn good job of doing it. Well, that is good to hear that you thought it was decent, Jeff. I've heard it's good as well. Uh, not as good as Better Call Saul, but still quite good. Fewer and, episodes uh, though. Mm, mm, fewer episodes to watch. Uh, so far, uh, Lucky Hank is available right now on AMC Plus. That's one thing. One of the things Jeff has been watching. Jeff, what else have you watching? I checked out a documentary uh, that it has not uh, will uh, be in theaters soon. I think in the next couple of weeks it comes out. Uh, but I was sent a, uh, a screener for a documentary called Chop and Steel. It's been making the festival rounds uh, for about a year, and it is about to be released into movie theaters. Uh, this is a documentary about Nick Pruer and Joe Pickett. Uh, they are two friends. have been friends since sixth grade. Uh, these are the guys that started the Found Footage Festival. I think we've all talked about the Found Footage Festival before. It's one I have gone to see. Uh, I very much enjoy it. Found Footage Festivals, basically, uh, these two guys go around the country uh, looking at, at flea markets and garage sales and all kinds of places, and, and they've found a bunch of VHS tapes from this sort of the heyday of VHS from like the late eighties, early nineties that are ridiculous. And they cut together a show where they show like these just absolutely asinine, <laughs> you know, old VHS days, everything from workout videos to, uh, you know, industrials, uh, you know, uh, um, like corporate uh, instructional videos about how to be a better employee, to, uh, you name it. Like they've got, maybe the world's biggest collection of these ridiculous old VHS tapes. And they put together the show and they tour around the country and they, they present it. Uh, so the, the title of the movie chop and steel refers to the fact that they also <laughs> started 
just doing pranks, uh, almost for no reason, just to be fun, just to have fun. They started <laughs> calling because they were touring around the country and they were trying to promote their show. So they were often going on to local news shows to say like, hey, we're in town, you know, come to see the show. And they got bored of that. They didn't think that was very interesting or fun. They were going on these morning show, the local like Wisconsin morning duo, you know, wake up Wisconsin or whatever it is. And they got bored of that. So they decided to start pitching fictional characters that they made up that were ridiculous to get on these morning shows. And they found out that these morning shows would book them without doing any research into whether they were real or not. Mm. So um, the the guy, you guys may know this already, the, the guy who uh, ended up, he had a long acting career, but he ended up playing um, the uh, the um, energy vampire on... Uh, yeah. On what's the show? Um, uh, what We Do in the Shadows. What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, he got his start because these two dudes... Mark Prosh. Mark, yeah. He, uh, he got his start playing... They pitched him to all these local stations as a... Uh, a yo-yo yes. master. <laughs> I, I remember seeing these. Yeah, I remember seeing these. So yeah, he's like he's like one of the best yo-yo players. Or yo-yo. They said yo-yo he's like the world, the world champion yo-yo, and he's yeah. going around and he's teaching kids about the environment with his <laughs> yeah. yo-yo. Yeah, that's the pitch. And so they booked him on all these local morning shows. Morning shows, yeah. And he would go on, and he had no idea how to use yo-yo, but he would play it completely straight and yes. just bungle the whole thing. And it became a viral video on the internet, and people were laughing at it. And because of that, the producers of The Office invited him to audition. They, they wrote a part for him and put him in The Office, and that kind of kick-started his acting career. And now he's, you know, you see him all over the place. He's in, all, he's in Park, you know, Portlandia and, and what we do in the shadows, and et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so after that that success they had so much fun they decided to you know be be characters themselves and they pitched themselves as a strongman duo chop and steel where they would go on these local <laughs> these local uh morning shows and demonstrate their feats of strength even though looking at them there's no universe where you think these guys are strong men mm, right mm, and they're yeah, dressed yeah. ridiculously like you know like hulk hogan from the 80s and they go on and they proceed to just do ridiculous things. But these morning hosts just play along because that's, you know, they're not going to say like, hey, are you pranking us? Anyway, <laughs> that's the beginning of the documentary. But it's more about their relationship, the two of them, their journey through life and how they came to this place and what and how how this all plays out. They end up getting sued by one of the companies that owns a lot of these local news networks. It's, it's very charming, very entertaining. Uh, it's a very short documentary. It's an hour and 20 minutes. Um, but I, I, I laughed out loud multiple times. These guys are, are funny. They're charming. There's a lot of interviews with even more famous people, Bob, um, um, David Cross and uh, Howie Mandel. And there's a bunch of, you know, interviews with, with, uh, famous people talking about them. Um, and they're just very charming, very sweet guys. And it, it, the movie actually ends up being sort of this meditation on what success is. And I found it very, very enjoyable. I really would recommend it. It's called Chop 
and Steel. All right. And it's going to be in theaters in April, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and Nick, well, I think sh- Nick Pruer is the one who literally reached out to me and said, hey, I can send you a copy of this. So I think the, these guys are very, like, hands-on, very grassroots. Like, they're just doing it themselves. And yeah. uh, I, I found the documentary to be a really, really charming, really, really fun. All righty. Chop and Steel. Out in theater soon. I assume it'll be out on streaming after that. You know, speaking of Windows, guys, uh, I saw, like, streaming and release Windows, I saw... Uh, the like Dungeons and Dragons, which is the movie we're going to be reviewing next week, mm-hmm. it got a Blu-ray release. I want to say like six what? weeks after, and it hasn't been released yet, but like it, it got a Blu-ray date, like six weeks after. It's, it's uh, I mean, it's, Creed Three, you can download that, you can stream that now. Yeah, apparently. the uh, the uh, Ultra HD of uh, Dungeons and Dragons will be released on May 30th. So that's not six huh. weeks. That's like eight weeks. But yeah, it's still just, it's like, oh, wow. Like we are, it, it's so, the window is so soon now. And, you know, compared to like a, a huge movie like uh, Top Gun Maverick, where it took like mm-hmm. six months before it was out on uh, isn't uh, Isn't 45 days the kind of thing they're aiming for now? Yeah, I think that's right. So Until that's, str- that's even Sometimes less, even shorter yeah. than that. Sometimes even yeah. shorter than that for streaming. You know, like um, I think Universal, like some Universal movies, I want to say, if they've been out in theaters for like three weeks and they haven't done well, you will be able to stream them at home typically. Mm-hmm. You'll, you, you can buy or rent them. So um, anyway, random, random observation about Windows. But uh, Chop and Steel, out in theaters soon. Uh, and I assume in a few months you'll be able to check it out at home. That is what we've been watching this week. Let's get to some weekly plugs. Weekly plugs, the shard of the po- <laughs> <laughs> The shard yeah. of the Poe! <laughs> the shard of the Poe. The part of the show where we plug something else we have been making. Uh, I want to plug the Decoding TV podcast over at podcast.decodingtv.com. I am recapping every episode of Succession with Kim Renfro from Insider. Uh, and we're having a great time. So check it out at podcast.decodingtv.com. Uh, I think you will enjoy it. That's my weekly plug. Devendra Hardwar, what's your weekly plug? Oh, yeah. I want to mention the Engadget podcast. Uh, in our recent episode, we went hands-on with Google's Bard AI. And uh, it's kind of drunk, honestly. It's, it's kind of weird and silly. So there's more AI talk. I don't think we'll ever stop talking about AI at this point. But yeah, Google Bard, check out our hands-on. Uh, Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug. Uh, just to make sure that you didn't mess up, I, I sharded just to, just to make sure that's consistent. <laughs> Thank you for that, Jeff. Thank you. Would you like a limerick, the, <laughs> the likes of which have been featured on such websites as welldave.fun and also that's the only one that it's been <laughs> featured on? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have your very own limerick created by hand by me and delivered to you via video on cameo.com. If you go to cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata, which is, of course, spelled with two N's and one T, I will happily create from scratch a limerick made for you for any occasion we got mother's day coming up birthdays are always happening Uh, hey maybe it's just a pick-me-up just a fun time you'll enjoy it don't take my word for it there are literally over 100 five-star reviews right there on cameo.com slash jeff canada for you to peruse and find out why people enjoy it so darn much 
All right. And I want to give a few weekly plugs for the podcast as well. Patreon.com slash film podcast. You can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. We are so grateful for the over 3,000 patrons that make this podcast happen each week. Thank you so much. Uh, next week, we're going to be reviewing Go. We also had a bunch of other recent fun topics like Magic Mike, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and so on. Check it all out at patreon.com slash film podcast. Of course, we never want you to donate if it in any, if it in any way causes you financial hardship. To support us for free, just leave a star rating or a review over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your shows. Uh, it would mean so much to us, whatever you can do. Thank you to everyone who supports us in whatever way they can. Let's get to our review of John Wick Chapter 4. Saying goodbyes? Saying hello. You think your wife can hear you? No. Then why bother? Maybe I'm wrong. You're going to die. Maybe not. Goodbye to you, my trusted friend. A new day is dawning. New ideas. No rules, no management. We've known each other since we were nine Who is this? The Marquis de Gramont. Challenge him to single combat. Win or lose, it's a way out. I don't sit at the table. Your family does. Please pray for me. Welcome to the Filmcast's review of John Wick Chapter 4. I'm going to read the plot summary of this movie from IMDb. John Wick uncovers a path to defeating the high table. But before he can earn his freedom, Wick must face off against a new enemy with powerful alliances across the globe and forces that turn old friends into foes. I think we've all been fans of the John Wick movies. I remember something that Jeff Kanata said during our Parabellum review. Which, by the way, let me just say, weird titling we're, we're structure in general for, you know what comes before chapter four parabellum <laughs> well i think it was chapter three parabellum so uh -huh. it's, oh, yeah, it's, it's john wick no chapter one uh -huh. then john wick chapter two john wick chapter three parabellum and then just simply john wick chapter four so i'm like parabellum the phrase everybody understands yeah. it's essential for you to understand that's why they had to add it in parabellum mm -hmm. <laughs> i here is i mean parabellum is a uh, double entendre right mm -hmm. Um, because it is the name of a weapon, but uh, it is also a uh, Latin phrase uh, that is the second half of the Latin phrase uh, that is translated, if you want peace, prepare for war. So parabellum is prepare for war. That's kind of what parabellum means. And I, I, and I bet some writer over at John Wick <laughs> thought up like, oh my gosh, Brilliant. parabellum. It, oh it is God. the same name as a popular weapon that is, <laughs> you know, that like Antonio Banderas, like leaning backwards, like yes. he's so happy with himself. Like somebody yeah. thought that Parabellum, and he was like, we got We got to make it the title of the movie. And then somebody else was like, well, none of the other movies are going to have title, like subtitles. And it's like, it, it doesn't matter. It's so good. It's Whatever. so good. Chapter Whatever. four, okay. Glock. <laughs> Should make Glock like good luck, maybe? Okay, anyway. Uh, but Jeff, I think I remember you saying like it's basically like a cartoon at this point, right? Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. John Wick Chapter In the best yeah. way, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, where, where like you no longer need to really take the movie seriously. Uh, well, honestly, on, on any level, right? I've really enjoyed that progression because I remember, I think I saw the first John Wick right after, I mean, 
it's hard to have it anytime yeah. that's not right after but it was right after a major shooting in in america yeah and it yeah. i and had hey, a hard hey, time by the way guys there's a shooting just happened this morning as mm. we were recording this so yeah, well, yeah just just charting this all this yeah. day ending in y in america yeah um anyway i it, it, it really affected my enjoyment of the movie in, in, right. in the sense that i i had a hard time but i feel like these movies have moved farther and farther away from any kind of verisimilitude yeah. and it, it really is just over it's the its top. own world now yeah. it's yes. not reality yes it's its own thing yeah yeah um but yeah, so that was kind of my thinking going into John Wick Chapter 4. And I got to be honest, like my expectations were not that high until I started hearing the buzz coming out of the screenings, you know, because I'm like, okay, John Wick Chapter 3 had some great action scenes as well as a John Wick Chapter 2. Um, maybe they're going to get Donnie Yen in the mix this, this time. That's going to be fun. Um, so I was hoping that it would at least give us some interesting action scenes. Devinder Hardware, let's start with this question. Do you think John Wick Chapter 4 does any more than give us some good action scenes? You know what? Um, I think it does. I, I do think it does. Um, because I, I I feel the same way about this movie. Um, and you know what, Dave? Like Before we even started recording, we were like, it'd be great if we all got to see this movie together. Because... This is a movie where I just want to lean over and high five everybody because <laughs> holy hell is everything we're watching amazing. And yeah, it really is the action, but it's, it's kind of everything. It's the, it's the designs, the way this movie looks. It is a movie that can both, you know, uh, pay homage to Lawrence of Arabia, but also like have its own really cool comic aesthetic. Every and, shot. And, and the yeah. warriors too, you know, and like, the warriors yeah. and I mean, and to classic Donnie Yen and to bring in Donnie Yen and have him be kicking ass, um, you know, nice to see in an American movie once again, but Donnie Yen is 60 years old now. And this man can still move like a freaking snake. Like it's just amazing. Incredible. Um, yeah. I think this movie, I, I kind of love the world building at this point, even though it's becoming increasingly co incoherent. And um, I, I think the ultimate takeaway here is if John Wick shows up at your door, do not let him in. There is no reason <laughs> to invite John Wick into your home because it will only lead to death and destruction of everybody you love, apparently. But uh, you'll do it because you love John Wick. Um, no, I, I think this movie kind of goes deep on many levels. Um, it's not... Plot wise, like plot wise, it's a mess. I think plot wise, it reminds me of maybe something like Fury Road, because this is a movie that just gets going. Like it gets started. You're going on the fetch quest. You're going for one thing. Oh, you got to go do this other thing. Um, it's very simple plot wise, but what it means character wise, like the relationships between these characters, I found really compelling. Donnie Yen's character, who is ostensibly, you know, the main villain or one of the main antagonists for a while, I think is so well done. And I think he imbues a lot of like pathos into that character too, of somebody who is kind of on an alternate path that John Wick is. And it's like, you don't want to see him die. Like you're, these two guys are like, I don't, I kind of want Donnie in the win, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 And, and I think that's one of the strains of John Wick chapter four is um, he, this movie, in my opinion, provides us uh, the best villain out of all the John Wick movies, I would mm -hmm. argue. 
Um, well, you know, uh, we did get Mark well, DeCascos last time, and he yes. was the ultimate fanboy. So totally, I, I totally. also feel like increasingly these movies are just made for me because nobody's <laughs> talking about Mark DeCascos, right? And then Mark DeCascos appears in John Wick Three, and I've grew up loving this guy's movies. I remember, um, yeah, Devinder yeah. was has been obsessed with Mark DeCascos for decades. So loved like, him, loved him um, forever. But I, two, I, yeah, yeah. He, but he's my favorite. But this this Donnie Yen being yes. the villain or the not, I would say I wouldn't An even say villain. I would say, villain. I would say yeah, antagonist so. in mm-hmm. this movie. Um, is is my by far my favorite, and that that in and of itself makes it worth watching. Mm-hmm. And also, like a an actor like the best martial artist we've ever seen in these movies too. Like I love Keanu. Keanu does some good stuff. Keanu is still fundamentally an actor, not like somebody who has dedicated his entire life to martial arts and to making incredible action films like this. So to see Donnie Yen kind of have his moment, like this is bigger for Donnie Yen than uh, Rogue One was certainly, and also Donnie Yen in Blade Two always loved Donnie and Blade too. He, he did a lot of choreography work in that movie too. I do love this being a great U S moment for Donnie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll share a couple, well, actually, no, I got to go to Jeff Kanata. What am I, what am I doing? Go Jeff. Uh, Jeff Kanata. What were your You're thoughts? You used to on- me not being on the show, Dave. Yeah, exactly. one, one week I'm gone. John uh, chapter four, Jeff Kanata. What were your thoughts? Well, Dave, not fun. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say <laughs> my thoughts on John Wick chapter four, our best summed up in the form of a limerick. At three hours, it could well dispense with some story and brooding pretense, but I won't complain because the action's insane going harder with each new sequence. Nice. Nice Well done. Well done, Jeff. This movie's three hours long. It could easily be two and a half hours long. Yeah. You could cut out a half an hour of literally people just standing, scene just too. standing and staring at each other for minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. And I understand the movie's trying to create gravitas and emotionally. I don't care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the, like, there's, there's a scene where uh, Ian McShane is walking for 30 seconds down the hallway. And you're like, well, <laughs> but you know what? They went for it. And also that is an incredible looking like hallway. Dude, the it whole movie is so incredible cool. looking. Yeah. The whole movie, every shot, every single shot in this movie is incredible, lit mm-hmm. beautifully, staged beautifully. It looks like an anime. It looks like a, a, a painting. It looks it looks like composed uh, frame from a comic book. It it is every single shot. So yes, they all are incredible. But man, the movie didn't need to be three three hours long. That said, like I like I mentioned in the limerick, I'm not complaining because. Holy hell, this movie keeps, it brings it and it keeps bringing it. There was a moment at the beginning where I was like, man, I hope they didn't just have the coolest action sequence. Like, <laughs> going to be hard to top that one. Gonna have to, gonna and then they top it like eight more times. <laughs> it's mind boggling. Like there were, t- you said it so well, Devendra. Like I wanted, I saw this movie by myself but I wanted to be mm-hmm. high-fiving people all around me. I, yep. the, 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 I mean, I was like jumping up and down <laughs> on my seat during certain moments because of how off the charts awesome it is. It, the, the moments are punctuated in beautiful ways. The choreography isn't just slick action choreography. It's action choreography that tells a story. It's action choreography that has... It, it, it has a three-act structure. There's a sequence at the end that we'll talk about that is so brilliant just from a storytelling perspective, 
about you know a character trying to get from one place to another. Yeah, yep. You know, it, the, it is full on Looney Tunes too. It's a full on Looney Tunes cartoon. Yes, I love it. The most yeah. yes, it, and so fun, so much fun. Every second is so much fun. There are flourishes constantly you you keep thinking you've seen the most incredible thing the movie's going to show you and then it one-ups that again and again like if i had a gun to my head and john wick was on the other end of Mm -hmm. it and he said pick your favorite action sequence from this movie i would have a hard time doing it i mean there are there are so many just brilliant i've never seen that before or if they're doing that in a way that i've never I, i i didn't know that I wanted like it, it is just balls to the wall over the top beautifully shot I don't know about you guys but uh, I saw this at a press screening in in an IMAX theater they, they I did played not in, in IMAX yeah. yeah and oh man what an awesome movie to see uh, at, at that size and scale with that audio it's great now is it a good movie like okay it's fine is I, it the I, greatest movie ever made it might be Possibly. the greatest pure action movie ever. Yes. Made. It, I, it is up there as as like with the raid and and I don't know what else. It 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 is from pure action sequences. It rivals anything you want to put up against it. Like it is that that good. But if Devendra mentioned this, it it's all nonsense. It's all it's all gobbledygook. And and ultimately, I don't care about any of it. We have a we have Bill Skarsgård playing. Mm-hmm. A mustache twirling villain. Who cares? Like, get off the screen. I he don't. He is need having to... fun. Like, I do like that people are having fun. They're not just like they're not bored in their yeah. roles. And I feel like that is a thankless role that somebody without those flourishes would be a lot more boring. You yeah. Know? But you guys are so right about Donnie Yen. It feels like he's the only guy that could have stepped in and and elevated this series in the way he did. He did, and every moment that he's doing an action sequence. He's also acting. He's mm-hmm. all, like the way he does the moves is incredible because he's conveying something every second. He's com- there. There are there are times when he's sort of like nonchalantly, yeah. you know, doing it. There are other times where it, it, it is the most intense, most important moment for him. He's you see him thinking like it's an incredible action mm-hmm. performance by him as well. And Keanu at like pushing sixty. You know, I don't know how much of this movie is him. I think a lot of it, clearly, as with all the Jack, uh, John Wick movies, I'm sure there's a large chunk of it that isn't him. But, yep. like, there are long takes that look yep. like it's him. And he's he's just nonstop doing it. And, dude, the movie is... I love how the action is shot, how it's presented to you. You, you see it. You comprehend it. It is... This movie rocks so hard it it might be on my top 10 of the year just for how much fun i had wow yeah, wow absolutely uh over at my free newsletter decoding everything we should check out it's completely free um at decoding everything.com i wrote about roger ebert and i was watching the special features for dark city a long time ago decades ago and i remember him talking about how like in Dark City, the Alex Proyas movie, great film, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of got swallowed up by The Matrix when it came out around the same time, even though they're both similar premises. And he was talking about how, like, Dark City is a very generous film because it will show you, like, you know, it, there'll be, like, a camera movement that sweeps down the, the, the street. 
and you'll see like all the little stores and the signs and the lights and all this stuff. And it's just like, or you'll be inside of a structure and the camera will move in such a way that you can take in all this detail. Like, and it's like, they don't need to show you those things. They do it because it's like generous filmmaking. They, they want you to see more of this world, right? Generosity is the word that comes to mind for me when I think of the John Wick movies, because every single action scene of every John Wick movie always starts with the premise, how can we show the audience something they haven't seen before in the John Wick series? That's what I love about this series is like, mm -hmm. there is, I, I don't think there's a single shooting shootout that is uh, starting with John Wick chapter two. I don't think there's a single shootout that is repetitive of a previous shootout. Well, right? we like, have another nightclub sequence here, but it is done in a different way. Exactly. You know, That's like we're back That's in the saying. nightclub, but we're it, different. It's a nightclub, yeah. but it's like, it, but there's water falling from the ceiling. There's water falling. There's you know? justice playing in the background. Yeah. Scott Atkins is in a suit doing this stuff, you know, like whatever it is. Yeah. We can, um, we can talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, um, fundamentally, I think like John Wick is very generous when it comes to action scenes, because you know, when you sit down, you're not only going to see really kick-ass action, you're going to see kick-ass action, done in a way that you've never seen it before at the very least in this franchise mm -hmm. if not ever I, I, mean, I would say a lot ever like things yeah. i've imagined like, uh, in my life like yeah john wick chapter three the knife throwing scene i'm just like incredible i, I don't even know how they did that like it's incredible. it's stuff and that's the thing is there's so many things in this movie in the last few movies where it's like i don't even know how they did that and that's why i think they're they're generous because they they're not resting on their laurels they're not like um, hey, oh, let's just, uh, you know, in the script, John Wick shoots five guys in the nightclub again. You know, it's it's never like that. And um, in fact, I was reading a great interview with the director of this movie this morning over at The Hollywood Reporter. Who, who has only been making John Wick movies, like yeah. since the first one. You know, they, he kind of split up with, uh, what's his face? David Leach, right? Yeah, yeah. And Stahelski has video game movies and stuff coming, but it's only been John Wick he's making. Man. Yeah. And uh, he was saying how, like, there was originally going to be a thing where... Um, John Wick chapter four and five were filmed back to back. Like that was originally going to be the plan. And he said, and he basically decided not to do it because uh, in general, when you have movies filmed back to back and like Keanu has done this before with Matrix, it always feels like one movie that's split in two. He's yeah. like, in yeah. general, when you have two movies back to back and he's like, I could not provide the incremental uh, better the incrementally better experience that you should have from a John Wick sequel if I filmed them back to back. Like so te rad. No, technology advances in the yeah. years between sequels. Um, his own skill advances in the years between sequels, and he's like, I couldn't make two movies and then have the second one be way better than the first one, which is what he wants to do. And I was just, I just admire that, you know, as totally. just like it's wanting awesome. to give the audience a better experience. Now, I will say this: I'm gonna, I'm gonna issue the critique. I do think that what Jeff said is correct. Like the storytelling is complete nonsense. Like there, there are mm -hmm. universes where you take a thread and you pull on it a little bit more and it's like, Ooh, where does this lead? This is interesting. And I, I, a great example of that is Andor, right? Like Andor is like, what if we explored this part of the gal? Who made the death star and who, who's issuing the commands of this and blah, blah, you know, like all this stuff and you explore it and it's like, Oh, it's so deep and rich and in interesting. And I don't think this franchise supports it. I, I think this franchise is more like, this is a cool, this looks cool. What a cool thing. What if we had a bunch of ladies that, that all had tattoos all over them and they dressed up in the same, like it was the 60s. Yeah. And they, they write all the, the, 
the contracts on a big chalkboard. You know, yeah. like they, they use cool? phone plugs. They have to plug in phones manually. And to it's like, connections. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that looks cool, but like if you think about it for longer than three seconds, it's like doesn't make any sense at all. Like right. why would they do it that way? Yeah. You know, is tattoos a required part of a job? You know, like it just so it's just like there's a lot of stuff in John Wick that looks cool. And you know all the stuff about the high table and the marker and the gold coins and it's just like yeah. it looks cool, but when you start thinking about it, it doesn't really make any sense and why they would do things that way or like you know. So I don't feel like this is a movie that story wise really rewards deep examination. But what is great about this movie is it seems to understand that like there is a lot of yeah. the boring story stuff in the first hour and a half. Um, but the villain gets like a pretty clear motivation, like, or the antagonist, Donnie Yen gets a pretty clear motivation. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's clear why he needs to do what he needs to do. And that's why you kind of root for him. And that's all you, that's all you kind of need. And I will just say before we get to spoilers that the last 45 to 60 minutes of this movie is some of the greatest action filmmaking I've ever seen in my life. Transcendent, right? Yeah. Yeah, And I will say, you know, uh, let me give you a little back backstory into the film cast. Um, we generally don't share reactions to movies with each other until we're on the podcast, you know, preserves the surprise. It's fun. But Jeff Kanata, you sent a lone text after you saw John Wick chapter four. Do you remember that, Jeff? I do. I could yeah. not. This was the equivalent of me high-fiving the people next to me. This yeah. was, yeah. this was the, the closest I could get to that was texting you guys. I believe I was, holy shit, John Wick. Yeah, that was it. That was the whole message. So anyway. Uh, yeah. I, if you had asked me, you know, in the late nineties, early two thousands, uh, you know, if there was going to be an action franchise that <laughs> Keanu Reeves starred in that could eclipse the matrix, I would have laughed in your face, laughed in yeah. your face. Impossible. I'd say, well, th- you know, that's the other thing about the action in this movie that I really appreciate is Chad Stahelski and Brad Litch. They were, uh, they're both stunt performers before they mm-hmm. directed John Wick one. And Every action scene is filmed relatively comprehensively. Uh, medium to wide angle, uh, largely stationary shots if they can do it. Sometimes it's a moving shot if it's attached to a car or whatever. Um, and l- fairly long continuous takes. Yeah. Not like, not oneers, because apparently the director doesn't like oneers where it's like 10 minutes, one shot. He doesn't like that. But there's a lot of like long continuous takes where you can appreciate the artistry of the stunt yeah. performing going on. They, and, it, they look exhausting. They look yeah. the idea of them doing that and then going, okay, let's do it again. Let's take two. <laughs> you know, just like I can't imagine how grueling. I mean, yeah, we talked. Uh, what is it? Last week, the week before, week before, whatever about the um, there being a, an, an Academy Award for stunts in in yeah. a film. You know, and 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 great stunt sequences and stuff. It's like. All of the unnamed dudes that get the crap kicked out of them or shot in the face or whatever it is in this movie, they need a round of applause. I mean, Donnie Yen, Keanu Reeves, they're awesome. But man, there is an army. Yeah, there's a whole army. Yes. In this interview, he said uh, five countries, 100 days of shooting, mostly at night, and 200 stunt performers helped to make this movie possible. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you see it. It is not... None of that is disguised, right? Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. You see yeah. just the Herculean effort of people throwing themselves off of things and downstairs yeah. and all that. It's like it's it's incredible. Yeah, indeed. All right, let's get to spoilers for John Wick Chapter Four, 
starting right now. I thought up an ending for my book. It makes no damn sense. Compels me, though. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die before I finish, I know how it ends. You can't handle the truth. Inconceivable. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. All right. A few spoilers for the movie that we are going to discuss. So we are full spoilers for John Wick Chapter 4. I think we should start with probably the biggest spoiler, which is that uh, John Wick dies at the end of this movie. And it's funny. Quote, unquote, dies. But yeah. yeah. So it's funny because I rewatched John Wick 1 last week, which is like an extremely grounded movie compared Mm -hmm. to this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, 45 minutes of grief. Yeah. Yeah. and uh, at the beginning of John Wick chapter one opens with a John Wick dying fake out as well. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's almost dead. He fakes it. Now, uh, again, in this interview with the director of John Wick chapter four, apparently an alternate ending of this movie was filmed. As far as I can tell where they cast doubt on whether John Wick is actually dead. Like, I feel like it, it is. He, he kind of shows up at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I would agree with you, Devinger, that when yeah. I'm taking the language of the movie, I don't think he's definitively dead because you don't see his dead body. You yeah. don't see him in the casket. Yeah. That said, I think according to the filmmakers, he is definitively dead. I think that's this, kind of, yeah. This is a great ending to close the book on a great cinema action hero. Mm-hmm. If they made more, I feel like it would, it would feel, it would feel a little cheap. I, mm-hmm. I feel like this, the way the movie is talking to you, I think you're so he yeah. makes peace with his wife. He makes peace with all of that. Yeah. It's like yeah. this. And, and also what else do you want from that? I mean, I will, I would love more of what these movies if they could yeah. top this, but my God, you know, I, I mm-hmm. feel like this is a worthy conclusion to John Wick's story. I, I think it's a worthy end to the character. He doesn't necessarily have to be dead though. Like if he, if this is a fake death so that whatever is tied to the table, doesn't come after him and they bring out the character in like 10 or 15 years for him to mentor a younger, you know, person in this world, I would totally buy it. I would totally believe it. Um, like it works and that doesn't take away from the power of, of this final scene too. Like it is still, it's a symbolic death in many ways. And also shout out to like cowboy bebop too. Like there's a lot of great shout outs to classic things in this movie. And, uh, that on the stairs or certainly one of them speaking of deaths too, um, did not need to see Lance Reddick die slowly on screen. That was hard. yeah, I had yeah. seen the movie already when I heard of his real life passing mm-hmm. and it just felt so sad that we saw, I had just seen him die on mm-hmm. screen and then he really passed away. I mean, it's an ignominious end to that character in the movie too. It's a noble, well, like very noble what he's doing, but yeah. Uh, well, mm-hmm. so um, again, referring to this interview with the director, he talked about how like, uh, they needed to kill that character off because it sets in motion all the events of the, like yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if they hadn't killed that character off, um, then theoretically a bunch of the stuff in the movie wouldn't have happened. Like, it raises be, the stakes quite a bit. There had too. to be some yeah. kind of punishment for, you know, mm-hmm. what had happened in the last movie. Um, but yes, Jeff, I understand if you didn't like, it, it was, it was a weird experience for me to learn of Lance Reddick's death, then go watch a movie where he's killed immediately. That yeah. was like yeah. a bad experience. Um, that said, like a bunch of stories have come out about Lance Reddick since the movie, uh, since his passing about how awesome he was to work with and how amazing, like how he helped to create this character in the movie. And also, by the way, um, they actually, uh, have 
dedicated the movie to Lance Reddick and it will be in like the home video release it's going to be dedicated to Lance Reddick but like the problem is like the DCP the thing that yeah, the movie out. plays off it had already shipped to many people by the time they heard of his passing yeah. um, so they tried to like call it but you can't like call it back because it's often locked and so it's a complicated process but Lionsgate apparently was very understanding and so they tried to like make it happen which I, I, I really appreciate like it seems like a lovely thing to dedicate it to Lance Reddick. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad they did it. But I didn't I didn't see a dedication in my movie screening. Um, but I assume it will be the next time I see did it. You, or, did you, know, you guys see the post-credit screen? Because there, uh, there was a post-credit. Or did yeah, you run yeah. to the bathroom immediately? Donnie Yen. Uh, yeah, the yeah. Donnie Yen post-credits. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that that is just so exciting to me. Because uh, we got a lot of new characters. And I think Rina Sawayama's character, the daughter of Hiroyuki yeah. Sonata's character, she's a pop star, right? She's a singer. But she is so... Like her transformation from like her her like business robes, right? Her hotel robes to assassin outfit, just going for it. Um, she's so good. Hiroki Sonata is so good. Yeah. Um, this movie definitely did bring up the thing though. It's like you're friends with John Wick. I mean, <laughs> how 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 good friends? Because if you let him into this house, it's all over. Like they will come at us. They will destroy the family. They will probably kill you just because you're really good buddies with John Wick. That's some bro. I, right I wish there. there had been yeah. some more motivations yes. around like why John Wick shows up. Is it just because mm-hmm. he needs protection? You know, like what is he doing there? John Wick should know this. This is a yeah, Jake Sully problem. Exactly. Wherever you go is, is going to be attacked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Come on. Devinder, Devinder dropping the avatar references. Um, yeah. And, uh, and also the tracker character. Apparently there were some, there were some more, scenes with him oh he's fun um, that were like deleted uh Mm -hmm. you know because the movie was originally four hours long and i i just i i think he's a great it's a great performance he's the same guy that was in that movie the space movie um yeah stowaway he was such a good movie underrated movie anderson but but yeah i i i I feel like i didn't really understand Mm -hmm. what that character is doing until the end when yeah. John Wick saves his dog and he's like, okay, now I'm John Wick. Like, I get it. But also know? like having a new person like into entering this universe, right? Like seeing how you get into the table or whatever. I think it kind of makes sense as we start to see the old guys kind of like figure their ways out towards the end. So it worked. And he is, he, he adds a lot of fun to it too. Cause he doesn't have the super, doesn't have the super bulletproof suit like everybody else does. So he has to come up with his own things. I still hate that concept. Yeah. I still bulletproof hate suit it. is yeah, the people thinking, holding thinking, their suits up. I was thinking, Jeff, this is like your uh, nanotechnology yeah. in the Marvel yeah. movies, right? The yeah. bulletproof suits, right? I guess. It's I, bad. Except the difference here is that it allows for some <laughs> rad stuff to happen instead of removing rad stuff. Nano, it's, it's, nanobots just remove rad it's stuff. It's the act yeah. of people daintily holding up their yeah. suits. Like, <laughs> I'm a bullet. Yeah, I'm bulletproof now. You can't yeah. shoot me. I mean, that's why it's a total, yeah. you know, yeah, it's a total yeah. superhero movie. It's a, to- it's a, like nonsense movie. But I love, I mean, the. Because it's like, if you're really trying to protect yourself, yes. you wouldn't yes. be wearing a suit. Like you would yeah. be. You'd well, wear if, body if that, armor if, all over. If that you know, suits, yeah. then yeah. I mean, the the, <laughs> the physics of that make no sense whatsoever. No, you should yeah. be recoiling. But, you should something. Yeah. The re- I think the re- the reason they have that concept in this world, right, is because they want guys in suits shooting each other. Yes, like that exactly. Is, that's all you want. Yes, if they want. They, the dream. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense because if if the guys in suits are shooting each other, you can't have cool moves. They're like ducking and covering behind yeah, the yeah, thing, yeah. Right, so right. they need to be able to like engage in hand to hand combat. Right. I get it, but I agree. It looks very silly, and I, I feel like yeah. they 
they had that kind of less and less as the movie went on, which I appreciated. I like, don't know. I don't know. It felt like it kept going. He kept getting issued new suits when like well, yeah, one, no, one John, John Wick still has yeah. the suits, but like his enemies. Well, the funny some of part them don't is, have it, yeah. yeah. The end, he was given a non-bulletproof suit, yes. which is funny. It's yes. like you got to put yeah. on this one, buddy. It's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do yeah. remember when we reviewed John Wick two. I'm like, I love this movie, but. This is a very dumb concept. It goes down a dark road, and we're still doing it. But no argument. But man, if that's if that's the suspension of disbelief I need to have to to let you know him shoot point blank at people for 40 yeah. minutes you know I'd, I'd totally be down with it if they were not daintily holding up their overcoats <laughs> like shielded shield shield no bad uh, no magic i mean that, for me. yeah uh, we should talk about the individual action sequences because yeah like that the nunchuck sequence amazing good good stuff believable not, not since bruce lee has a character made nunchucks look cool yes uh, have you, have you guys movie. ever swung nunchucks yeah i have yeah have you have you like trained with them, Jeff? Like actually, no, not ones? trained with them. But I've you know I picked them up at the at the store and yeah, yeah, <laughs> played yeah. with them. Like and you that. go, oh, ouch, ow, ouch, ouch. <laughs> but if it's a wooden one, so when I was a kid doing martial arts, and I did it for like you know five or six years. But by the end, I had wooden nunchucks, I had metal size and stuff. But the nunchucks are just like you got to be careful because you got <laughs> to yeah. you got to be really careful how you're swinging that because you can easily concuss yourself like yeah. so he, easily. He was saying so how man. like I was watching the making of of John Wick and it was like. One of the hardest parts was when you hit someone, it yeah. bounces back. Like yeah. it, it bounced, and it was very hard for Keanu to apparently like master it in such a way that it would hit him and not hurt himself. I love um, the the like constantly putting it back around his neck yep. and doing other things yeah. and then taking it back up. It's like yeah. it was so awesome, and all the shattering glass around and yeah, ah, dude. Don, and, Donnie Yen putting doorbells up around uh, the wall is just like wow. Like I've never, I, I wish he had done so that rad. throughout the movie. Honestly, I agree. That been, I agree. Like, really cool. Yeah, I agree. Because I felt yeah. like at a certain point they just gave up on him being blind at all. You know, it's just no, sort of he's, like he's always kind of feeling it. Like he's, the, the, yeah. the one he's thing I didn't, it. the one thing mm-hmm. I didn't understand about Donnie Yen being blind was how does Donnie Yen know what his cards are. When the cards come down, you know, like right, yeah, everyone yeah. turns over the cards and then he knows what his hand is. That was the only that was the only moment where I felt like I wasn't sure what like he guessed. He's like, oh, you have five of a kind. You're cheating. Like, that's fine. He can guess that. But like, mm-hmm. how did he know what his own cards were? That I didn't that get whole that card thing. Was Maybe there were, st- I, I did. I did not like the cards. It was so tough. Like, no. it, only in a movie does everyone have a great hand in, in, in cards, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it doesn't matter because it ends up being. A, well, the implication. Another, the implication is that he has controlled Scott Atkins has controlled the cards, right? Yeah. Well, of course, but, yes, yes. But yeah. to what uh, end? Like just uh, love things. Just to give <laughs> them a little just, just to give him a big Nobody's give, upping the ante. Like the whole point of giving somebody a good hand is so they think they have a good hand so they can up the ante. But we're already playing with the highest stakes possible. Yeah. Literally Jeff, life and death. The the the, <laughs> the 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 whole series is clearly about how villain characters value theatrics over actually getting the job done. hundred percent. Scott yes. Atkins could have just killed those guys right off the bat. But yeah. he's like, no, we're gonna play a little. We're gonna have some card, fun. We're gonna have a little card game here, and then yeah. uh, gives them an opportunity to figure yeah. out what's going on and escape. So. I love finally seeing Scott Atkins in this movie. Did not love that they had to put him in a fat suit too, because it's like, not great. Not great. I get what they're going for. I miss the days of like Samo Hung. Samo Hung, like who yeah. is a big guy, but still could kick ass and make really cool action movies. But you get a guy who who can be that. You know, you don't have to yeah. dress up Scott Atkins to Agreed. do that. There Agreed. is some good physicality to it. Like when he is like flipping and kicking in the suit, like that is, it's a yeah. sight to behold. I just, we, it feels like you're instantly making fun of somebody when you're doing that. So I agree. Yeah, I agree. That's the I, only I agree. like low point of the movie. It rubbed me, me. Yeah. it rubbed me the wrong way a little bit as well that, that he had a fat suit on. Um, mm-hmm. 
Look, but, the fat guy can fight. That's funny, right? Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's it makes you feel like I think you're meant to like laugh at it, which is yeah, I don't think is a good thing, or or not laugh, but like be amused. Um, I, I, maybe not amused, but I think it's supposed to be unexpected. Yeah, and yeah, 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 not not great. Um, the uh, Arc de Triomphe. I was like, this is the Mission Dude. Impossible Fallout of John Wick movies. Yeah, Dude. Um, this keeps apparently, going. Apparently, what they did was they created a digital, like they they were able to use. During COVID times, capture a digital model of the Arc de Triomphe um, because no one was there during COVID, and then they used the digital model and combined it with like real life things that were going nice. on. Nice, yeah. um, using cars as bludgeoning objects, like yeah. that sequence <laughs> it, it, is amazing. No, it makes absolutely no sense because the Nothing first works. the first time that a car hit someone, all the traffic would grind to a halt. Yeah, right? but <laughs> but <laughs> you gotta keep like, going. If you, you gotta keep driving. If, French yeah. French drivers are the most heartless people imaginable. I think is what we've learned from this. If right? that's the quibble, you know, like again, we're in a we're in a cartoon. We're in <laughs> we're in an anime. We're in like yeah. it, it, it is. It, the, I've never seen that. Yes, the, yeah, the agreed. Constant one-upping, people getting knocked for a loop yeah, and him, yeah. you know, inches Amazing. away and using uh, just it's just <laughs> awesome. I mean, the entire like <laughs> the entire process of okay, all you got to do is be at this place at dawn. How hard could it, that be? And yeah. then it's like, okay, no, my my strategy is I'm going to stop him from getting there. That just that notion, yeah. Is such an awesome setup for the the next hour of the movie, mm-hmm. and yeah. how what he has to constantly go through, and yeah. then the uh, the staircase is like one of the coolest things I've ever seen. the 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 part where he gets knocked back down yeah. all the way to the bottom, and you just set up and pay off. Really, really easy, simple setup and payoff on that. So, it's well, so beautiful yeah. because all you want is for him to get to the top, yeah. and he's yeah. worked so hard. He's yeah. worked so, hurt. so, he's so hard. hard. He's so tired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just rolls all the way to the bottom. And you're like, oh my god! And you feel like the movie's gonna go. Okay, well, we'll get him there uh-huh. a different way. No, we're just gonna no, fight our way back, go back up. It's, it is very much the Simpsons, Homer falling down <laughs> the 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 Springfield Gore. It's like. Ooh, yeah, ah, yeah. Ooh, ow. I just yeah. that's all I hear the whole time. I mean, what an that, what that, a brilliant idea, so masterfully <laughs> executed. Like mm-hmm. bad guys need to stop sending multiple assassins after one person. Because yeah. at, at a certain point, they just start getting in the way of each other. Mm-hmm. But Jeff, you talked about the the upstairs sequence. Again, agreed. Really cool sequence. But we have not talked about the most mind-blowing sequence in the whole movie. Fire gun. There is Fire a we- good. there is a yeah. weapon in Call of Duty's this season of Call of Duty Warzone call that is informally called the Doof Doof. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. <laughs> no. It is a shotgun that fires incendiary rounds. Yeah, and it is called the Doof Doof because it's uh, it makes it like a Doof Doof noise. Like you can fire two cartridges basically at once. And it was ridiculously overpowered. Like you walk into a space with a Doof Doof and you're like igniting people left and right. It's like so they actually nerfed it in a recent update. And, but I love that weapon because it's like really cool to use. Yeah. And then to see the doof doof in a move in a live action movie. Yeah. I was like, and th- so then I was like, okay, they introduced the doof doof. I'm like, super cool. Like that's that's already in and of itself awesome. But then the, for the movie to transform into Hotline Miami, totally the 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 first kill with the doof doof, so, yeah, the yes. so called doof doof, the first yeah. kill with it. Where the guy literally explodes into fire and is riding yeah. on the ground. I was like, wow. Yeah. That was awesome. Wow. Thinking Amazing. to myself, done with that weapon. Done with that. Yeah, we're done with that. <laughs> that was the payoff to that <laughs> setup. <laughs> but and then, then you have 10 minutes 
of him <laughs> hotline Miami style yeah. over the top, you know, top to going from room to room, just obliterating everything. <laughs> yeah, and so much fun. And and I was like, I was thinking to myself, like, why haven't I seen this before? Like, why haven't it has and, it has uh, been done in the Donnie Yen movie, Dragon hmm. Tiger Gate, before like a Flashpoint, before that one like really took off. So it well, is well, both. Well, yeah. the, the, the director was saying that like, yeah. Uh, for like hand to hand, it just looks better if you're close up into the side yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And then for for top down, like with normal bullets, it's you don't really see what's going on. You see like a little muzzle flash, and then like mm -hmm. you see someone fall over, but it's like not as visually interesting. But with the doof doof, it's like they could make it visually interesting. You can make and it so cool. It was like mm -hmm. that's why they that's how they could justify it. So mm -hmm. it was like, oh my god. Like, it's also like yeah. hints of like Minority Report too, because like you could see yeah, everything yeah, yeah. going on around yeah, in the different yeah, yeah, rooms yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's good. That's just good. More, do that more. Give me that camera angle more, please. Just yeah. I, I, the fact that the movie keeps showing you things you have never seen before in the yeah. whole series one-upping itself i mean that was a sequence where i was like by that point i had lost all sense of decorum in my theater <laughs> and i was just like openly yelping at things just Whoa! Yeah. Whoa! like it, it was so much fun it was yeah. Ugh, yeah. dude and the pr people are taking every note like hearing <laughs> yeah. all the responses like, yeah this yeah. is the yeah. crowd reaction yeah um, what do you guys think of the the ending? Not the uh, not the John Wick dying, but I guess like the resolution to the thing. It felt it was cool. It was fine. It was, <laughs> you know, it, it's a little bit of a little bit of a switcheroo. He's like, I like that. Like, I, oh, I you're, really, it's you're, you're the idiot that thinks yeah. you didn't hear him shoot. You know, I thought that was. It's just like what are the what are the bylaws of these duels? You know, that's what I want to know. Like, <laughs> don't think too hard. <laughs> yeah, don't it's John Wick four. Don't think too hard. Yeah, it's like it's basically love... like it's basically like the rule is as long as um, you still have like anyone who steps on that dueling field is fair game yeah, as long as you yeah. still have a bullet in your gun. Well, I the guess, funny thing is know? Clancy Brown at the end going like, "Well, yeah." Um, there you go. <laughs> Everything's resolved. It's like, what? Why? I do like Clancy Brown's like, I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy at all. I, I want guess. him to lose. But so. I feel like if anything, yeah. that makes everything worse. You know, he just, <laughs> he just broke all the rules. But and that's the end of that chapter. Yeah. <laughs> he like, well, we absolve you of all your crimes. You, did it. You, know, like, you get a hotel and your daughter's safe. Yeah. Everyone wins. You get everything you want. I'm trying to, I'm trying to put it. There's an article at The Ringer that's like, Trying to figure out what the exchange rate was of the gold coins, like, yeah, like one gold coin can pay for two nights hotel, a drink <laughs> at the bar, a body to be taken away in the van, you know, like all these things. So, like, I'm trying to figure out what the yeah. rules of the high table duels are, right? And so it's like, okay, so you have a gun, and then like, but then if somebody comes in from outside to try to attack you. Uh, yeah. Then like, they are fair not, game. Why you know? not just shoot him first instead of shooting Donnie Yen at all? Like why? Right, well, well, it's because yeah. he interfered with the duel. You yeah. Know? And that's the rule. And then well, also, also he, Donnie Yen was second seconding for him, right. so he is part of the duel. Right. Marquise and then was part of the duel. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was the champion for him. And then also, yeah. Bill Skarsgård says, "Hey, Donnie Yen, you and your daughter yeah. are released. So you're good. Anything you say in the duel it's is binding. Is that's binding." binding. It's binding. You There's can't. No, no take backsies. No take backsies on no, that. Take backsies. <laughs> I love the scene where they're just like deciding the 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 duel. Like, yeah, where yeah. is the duel? Okay. Oh yeah. What and are these? What are it. these freaking gold so plates? Good. Like, is so it? Good. Are they playing? Are they playing high card? Like, what is? 
I oh, think, I thought I that was awesome. They, yeah, it was I cool. thought that was rad, yeah. actually. That was really cool. It, it, I mean, they are playing high card, yeah. but yeah, like the so. cards yeah. go up to the 20s, I guess, for some yeah, reason. Yeah, it's, it's like, what? <laughs> they just, is it, who places the card? Is it just, I, I feel like there was, there was a missing scene where they randomized the gold cards <laughs> yeah. and like put them in, because it's like, who put these here? Like, what What? What if my numbers are just higher than yours? It's like, all, it make... <laughs> the entire John Wick universe is just pomp and circumstance for yeah. no reason. It's just, yeah. it's just tradition and, mm-hmm. and and ornamentation but it's people believing the rules too right. which is kind of funny like it, the rules have power when right. john wick killed somebody in the continental that meant something so right. i do yes. love how like these this series like has balanced that quite a bit and i just love sense, how we yeah. live in a world where uh in the john wick universe where like the continental can be exploded uh-huh. like these in downtown new york yeah, yeah. in yeah. downtown new york deconsecrated and exploded and it's yeah. like no one's gonna be like there's no true crime podcast boo. being like you yeah. know Three weeks ago, this is a bustling, thriving <laughs> hotel chain. Now it's gone. Like, what happened? For um, some reason, you could never get a reservation, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. You, <laughs> never get a room. Huh. And this is a question, like, is the Continental open to outside people? Because you go to the Osaka Continental. Yeah, the Osaka Continental looks like it's definitely just like, a regular hotel. Yeah, there's, like, yeah. hundreds of people. There are all yeah. those people assassins. It's, like... <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it looked like this one, this one is an actual yeah. hotel that also happens to have assassins. <laughs> yeah. They, they just they hit upon difficult economic times. They're, like, we cannot sustain this level yeah. of quality yeah. with just assassins. Right? Yeah. I wonder, do they support Airbnbs? Can you rent out your room? <laughs> like, one room to an assassin? It's theoretically one of those... It's really theoretically one of the safer places you can be because mm-hmm. no business can be conducted on continental grounds. So, yeah, you know, until massacres yeah. happen, on them, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, did they? I think they, but they, de- they deconsecrated it first. So yes. it's like, yes, right. because like one guy said it's now deconsecrated. So that was the thing. I, that- do, I feel really bad for Hiroyuki Sonata's daughter. Like, that's all. Like, I want, I want to see more from that character. So, post credits, we saw her approaching Donnie Yen's character, Donnie Yen going to his daughter, and she brings out like a switchblade. Yeah. Give me side stories. Give me more of this, and because well, I want more of this universe. There is a spin, there is a spinoff coming. Yeah, um, called and Ballerina. A TV show. Called Ballerina. That's yep. set in the same universe, so I assume it will have similar action. I also assume John John Wick will not be in it, but we'll see. I, and there's um, a show. The Continental is going to be a show in the mm, universe, as yeah, I yeah. recall. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. Also, I, I love that interaction with Donnie Yen and Hiroki Sonata, where he kills him and then yeah. he says to his daughter, like his daughter's about to like, you know, throw hands and he's like, live, you know, he's yeah. just like, stop, yeah. live. Well, that then he says, good... I'll, also, I'll, I'll see be you. waiting. Yeah. yeah. I'll be yeah. Waiting. yeah. yeah. He, know, he knows, which is, you know, totally the setup for kill bill. Right. It's yeah. the, that's, yeah. The, that's, yeah, it's happened is. many, many times in movies like this. Yeah. So I love to see it. And it's the way Donnie Yen handles that scene too. Like that is it's Hiroki Sonata's, it's his honor, you know, it's his nobility to protect his friend. And then it's like Donnie being like, Man, you don't have to do this. We don't. We don't have to do this. And it's it's like a resignation of the, of that kill too. It's yeah. really it's really fascinating. I mean, yeah. if uh, if I'm to think about like what the moral arc mm-hmm. of the story is, like there is an interesting story to be told about this guy trying to get out from the world that he was in and then like his past comes back to haunt him. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's kind of what has happened for the first three movies. Um, and in this movie, it's about like, theoretically it's about John wick realizing the cost of his crimes and his existence. Like just him being alive is costing other people their lives. And he like yep. comes to terms with that in the course of this movie. Um, 
I don't know that the movie really like you know nails those Pe- people do explicitly tell him when will this end yeah because like, well, what like, is your goal well, here the, the movie is so over the top that i'm not yeah. like you know i'm not like really feeling that's that's not what i leave the movie feeling i'm feeling exhilarated by all mm-hmm. the action i'm not feeling like wow what an interesting meditation on like your past and mm-hmm. uh the cyclical nature of violence and so on you know so I, I was I was kind of feeling it because this movie opens with John Wick killing the guy in the desert, right? Like John Wick straight to the desert, killing the guy we spent all of John Wick three trying to get to, right? Just kills him right at the beginning. He's like, oh, that's a problem for you, buddy. Like, what 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 else is going to happen to you now, John Wick? And I think we start to lose sympathy with him in this movie. I think that is a purposeful mm. thing. Like yeah. when he goes to the Osaka Continental. I was like, what What are you doing, John Wick? Yeah. Leave your friends alone. Send yeah. them a postcard. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to go to their doorstep. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I felt some of that, at least. I agree. I agree. There's, mm-hmm. th- there's enough of it that I'm like, oh, man, like, I don't mm-hmm. think they really finished the swing from a script level, you know? But mm-hmm. there's so much. At the same time, <laughs> it's like. matter. Yeah. It's like, it's such a remarkable achievement, you know? It's yeah. like. I do, you know, you're talking about people trying to calculate the value of the coins, et cetera. I would love for somebody to go in and and find out Keanu's uh, price per word in this movie. Because I think he says like 16 words in the whole film. Uh-huh, he's, uh-huh. He, there's very little John Wick dialogue. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, I mean, he, mm-hmm. it's not, not that he's not earning his paycheck with all the other stuff. I'm just yeah. saying, uh, I, lo- I, I love how <laughs> the script is like, we don't need to hear John Wick talk. He's fine. Mm. Indeed, indeed. Well, at the end of the day, guys, I think it's really impressive extremely impressive uh-huh. that Chad Stahelski made a movie. Made one of the best action movies ever. Yeah. Indeed. Agreed. Indeed. All right. That's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Filmcast. You can find more episodes at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from the midnight. Check out his new band, his new band, Varsity Blue. Our spoiler bumper and weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. Video editing help provided by John Barry and Chad. I'm sorry. Chad Stelsky. Chad, Chad Stelsky. Kurt, yeah. Kurt Mega and John Barry uh, provide video assistance for the film cast. Um, and uh, again, patreon.com slash film podcast where you can support this podcast. Make sure this podcast keeps going next week on the podcast. It's going to be Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Very curious what Jeff Kanata, you're going to think of this because you used to be a dungeon master, did you not? I did. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, still fancy myself one. Once a DM, always a DM. Yeah. Once a DM, always a DM. Um, dungeons and Dragons has a mixed track record when it comes to big screen adaptations. Well, what are you talking about? <laughs> what do you so mean? So we will see if they manage yeah. to nail it this time around. Uh, so you can stay tuned for that. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. That's the review for us next week here on the Filmcast. And also go for the After Dark. Look forward to that as well. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. <laughs>